What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is, of course, SGR 104, if you are keeping track for yourself there. NFL Week 5, recording here Friday, October 7th. Pretty crazy that we are already going into the second month of the season. Shit sure is flying by. Obviously, we're going to recap our picks from this past week and from the first month of the season. But before we do, I do want to just give a quick shout-out to all the new followers that I am seeing here on our social medias this week. I have noticed, you know, interacting with a lot of people through the DMs, a lot of uh, praise coming off a very strong week four and a pretty solid overall first month of the season. So I do want to thank those people. If we have any new listeners this week, what's up, guys? Welcome in. Uh, Hopefully you like what we're doing here. So obviously you guys uh, can interact with me there on the uh, Instagram and Twitter at SGR pod. But this is where you get the full weekly content and more of the in-depth details and whatnot. Um, Let's talk about how our picks are doing. Okay, we're coming off a pretty decent week in the NFL. I would say week four, guys, we fucking crushed it. We pick every game here against the spread and over under and in week four on our game picks we went 11 four and one against the spread we went 10 and six on over unders as well so on the season we're looking at a against the spread record of 38 24 and two that's good for 61.3 percent uh over unders on the season 39 and 24 that is good for 61.9 percent so hey Flirting with 62% on both of those. Uh, week four, as far as our top picks of the week, our three favorite picks in each category went one, one, and one on the spreads, which we don't like to do, obviously. Looking for at least a two and one every week there. Got a push on the Baltimore Ravens plus three there. If I had bought that earlier in the week at three and a half, we would have hit it. Um, and then we hit the Bengals minus three and a half on Thursday night. <clears throat> Missed on the Steelers minus three versus the Jets, unfortunately. Um, and then on our over under top picks for week four, two and one hit those hit the over in the Chargers game, hit the under in the Cowboys game and missed on the under in that Packers Patriots game that ended up being kind of high scoring. But overall, um, season top pick seven, four and one against the spread eight and four on the over unders. So 63.6% on our top spread picks, 66.7 on our over unders. We went one and two on our upset picks last week. That seems to be an ongoing trend. We are five and seven on the season on our underdog upsets. Uh, a couple of heartbreakers last week. Uh, we were very close to going three and zero on those. We hit the Titans money line plus one fifty six against the Colts, and then again the Ravens uh, blew a seventeen point second half lead to the Bills. Uh, we shoulda, coulda, woulda on that plus one thirty eight home money line. Did hit the first half money line plus one forty, and the Saints plus uh, one forty five. I think that actually got all the way up to one fifty eight or so. Uh, by time of kickoff because I picked it before the Kamara news came out and some other injury reports finalized. Still actually almost pulled that off over in London, uh, losing by a uh, double-doink missed field goal, if I remember correctly, by Will Lutz. Um, But we were very close on those dogs. Those dogs felt good to me last week. 
and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can do better this week. But, guys, the picks, pretty strong last week, uh, pretty strong overall in the first month. Let's talk about our gambling results here for a second. The picks were good last week. The bets were even better. We went 13-2-1 on NFL bets given out last week on our Instagram page, at SGRpod. 13-2-1, guys. We also went 3-0 on Thursday Night Football this week. Um, that game sucked horribly. I'm sorry to anyone who watched it. I was miserable the entire time, but I, you know, I stayed away from the spread. I stayed away from the over under and I took a couple of props and we went three and oh, we hit Sutton's receiving yards. I, I took Russ to have more passing yards than Matt Ryan. And I took Matt Ryan to throw an interception, which seems to be just an automatic cash cow at this point in his career, Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford every week. Their interception props are usually between like minus 120 and minus 150 ish. Matt Ryan's opened up at minus 122 Thursday morning, and by the time it closed Thursday night, I, I was seeing minus 150s and minus 170s because it was just getting abused throughout the day. Thursday, these props are hitting on a weekly basis. The offensive lines suck, the arms are not as strong possibly as they were in the beginning of their careers and the the it, it's just a bad situation for those offenses not many weapons open they're kind of forcing it to their main guys Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce are the only pass catchers that Matt Ryan can find and Cooper Cup is literally the only guy that Stafford is throwing to so it's kind of easy for these defenses to zone in and they're they're snagging one a game you know on the min here so it's something to pay attention to but guys not to get too sidetracked here i am rambling early here we we went 13 2 and 1 last week on nfl bets we went 3 and 0 on thursday night we're on a run of 16 2 and 1 on our nfl bets it's 89% over the last week and a half going back to last thursday's game between the Bengals and the dolphins and on the season on our official bets given out at sgr pod on instagram 35 16 and 1 68.63% how you doing Keep it moving. 68.6% on bets this year, guys. Yeah, a little bit up and down weeks two and three. But weeks one and four have absolutely been incredible monster weeks. I had people asking me this week um, in my DMs if I charge for um, some sort of premium pick package. No, all these picks are free. Listen to the podcast, follow the Instagram share tell people about it help me grow this thing but all this shit is free here and we're hitting almost 69 percent of our bets this season let's fucking go so it's time to get into the game picks i'm not going to spend much time here recapping thursday night or ranting about how incompetent those offenses or those head coaches or those quarterbacks are right now you guys probably get it it's embarrassing maybe the worst football game i've ever seen uh, you can't make the argument that it was two good defenses. It was just two bad offenses. So um, Colts, even though they won that game, legitimately still might be the worst team in the league. It's tough to watch. Uh, the offense is so broken. Um, but, yeah, that's it for my Thursday night recap. Uh, I want to say this before we go into the game picks. Uh, still struggling to find my identity with the format here. Uh, so far this season, I've been doing like kind of my favorite games or the most like headline notable games for the week. I'm just going chronological this week, and I think I might just continue to go chronological. So obviously did not cover 
the Thursday night game. We just kind of recapped it there. We are going to start with that London 9 a.m. kickoff and then just go straight through the game card, 1 p.m., 4 p.m. through the Monday night game. So here we go. Let's pick some games. First game we're picking here, the Giants and the Packers head over to London for another 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff. And I found this to be kind of weird. It's getting a lot of steam this week in the headlines. Uh, apparently, this is the first time that two teams with a, with a winning record have uh, played in these London games. And um, I found that to be kind of weird that that's never happened before. I guess maybe these games are happening earlier in the season than we usually do. And so there hasn't been as big of an opportunity for the Giants to fuck up yet. But that's kind of how I see this. It's just I don't care if both teams are three and one. These are two teams of completely different classes. Um, the spread here, uh, Packers minus eight. The over under is 41 and a half. And I feel pretty confident in picking the Packers minus eight here. I know they did not cover against the Patriots last week. And I know a lot of people will point out that it was a backup quarterback and the Packers should have blown them out there couple things about that uh it was a look ahead spot to this london trip it, it, we've looked into it those are real i'll be continuing to try and dive into the numbers on that but these teams typically don't really perform up to their potential the week going into a london trip because that is a big travel spot for a look ahead there um regardless of opponent also uh the patriots yeah they had a backup qb but you know what i'm really starting to realize that um the offense is not downgraded at all. Like, I know that Mac Jones, uh, theoretically, like, pretty good young quarterback, right? But what does he do, really, to make that offense more explosive at all that a game manager like Brian Hoyer or even what we saw from Bailey Zappi last week can't do? Um, it's offense predicated on the run game. Uh, the Packers struggle to slow down the run. These are all things, to me, that kind of created a perfect storm. I should have been on the Pats in hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Anyways, let's talk about this game. The Giants, what they're doing to win games is not sustainable. They're beating bad football teams, and it's just not going to continue to happen. Their wins are against the Panthers, the Bears, and one other shitty team that I can't for the... Oh, the Titans just dropping a fucking dud there in week one. So... Anyways, guys, uh, I think Rodgers is going to fuck up this Giants team. I have some trends here. We have a lot of trends specifically on the London situation, and we have some trends specifically on the Packers through Rodgers' career. So first off, let's talk London. Favorites of over a field goal in these overseas games, 16-2 and two straight up, 12-6 and six against the spread. In 35 international games, favorites are 27, 7, and 1 straight up, 23, and 12 against the spread. London favorites in games where the Jaguars were not involved, 19, 3, and 1 straight up, 15, and 8 against the spread. We know that the Jags play in London a lot. Let's get those games out of here. And, you know, you can see favorites are thriving. Um, in early kickoffs, 9 or 9.30 a.m. Eastern in one of these London games, these favorites are 10, 0, and 1 straight up, 7, and 4 against the spread. So that all points towards favorites having a lot of success. The Packers, I've found interesting, are, are following the Vikings game plan from last week. Um, I talked about it being a negative for the Vikings as far as I, I, I thought maybe <clears throat> the way that they have handled the travel going out there later in the week and trying to kind of almost like binge sleep 
um, Friday to Saturday, kind of. I, I thought it was a weird strategy, but it, it looks like it worked out. It looks like the Packers are going to do the same thing. Uh, maybe it plays into their advantage here. Um, let's talk Rodgers and his historic trends, you know, as a favorite or this and that. Uh, Rogers 16, seven and one straight up 17 and seven against the spread after winning a game, but not covering. Um, and in that situation, when those games are on the road, he's eight, no straight up. So on top of that, Rogers is a favorite on a three game winning streak or more in his career, 42 and 11 straight up 33 and 20 against the spread. Uh, Rogers also likes to pick on, uh, bad opponents and typically if an offense can't keep up with him, he does well. Uh, Rogers has won and covered seven straight games versus teams averaging 21 points per game or less. Uh, this Giants offense is not good. This Packers defense is good. I see that trend being very applicable here. Also, the Packers are the ninth team to go overseas on a three-game win streak or more, and those teams are 7-1 and one straight up, 5-3 and three against the spread. All of those point to Green Bay minus 8. I'm not afraid to lay the number here. Also, I've noticed the defenses do not travel well overseas, and there are some trends here indicating that the over might be a strong play and kind of a contrarian play. I'm seeing about 30% of the handle, but 43% of the cash on the under in this situation. Um, again, line is 41 and a half. But that said, there have been five NFL games played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Sorry, guys, not a soccer guy over here. Um, all five games played in this location have gone over at least 43 points and the overs four and one. Also, uh, this is the first game since October of 2017 where both teams are scoring and allowing less than 20 points per game at this point in the season, meaning week, week five or later. Since 2006, the over is eight and two in those matchups. So, uh, this is... Two shitty offenses, two good defenses, but this trend tells us we're due for regression here. All in all, probably too much time spent on this game to tell you guys that I'm taking the Packers minus eight and over 41 and a half in the Packers-Giants London game. Speaking of London games, the New Orleans Saints play the Seattle Seahawks at home this week. They're coming off a trip to London where they lost to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Saints are a five and a half point home favorite over under is 45 and a half here. And I'm going with the Saints minus five and a half here. Like I said, coming off a loss to the Vikings in London, it was a heartbreaker. They showed a lot of fight there. They almost won that game. The defense made plays, generated turnovers. Um, the offense didn't look horrible despite having no Jameis Winston, no Michael Thomas, no Alvin Kamara last week. To me, to be honest, Andy Dalton, not even a downgrade over Jameis. I liked coming into the season thinking that Jameis could uh, play efficient football. Haven't seen it so far this year. And I, as a guy who's pretty invested in the Saints on the season, like I have them over seven and a half wins. I actually took a 40 to one long shot on them winning the Super Bowl. I've got shit on this Saints team. I'd almost rather have Dalton at this point. Again, Jameis has been careless with the football. Um, 
to me, it might be a thing that we have to worry about as far as, yeah, Jameis put up decent efficiency numbers last year and was able to protect the football when Sean Payton was there, but Sean Payton's not there, and are we getting just the same old, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks Jameis at this point? I'm not sure. Um, Jameis is 8-18-1 against the spread as a favorite, so if he is starting in this game, I get a little bit more nervous, but as of right now, it looks like it's Andy Dalton, and Again, I actually have more confidence in Dalton right now to just not make reckless mistakes and cost this team opportunities. Dalton at this point is in his career is at least comfortable playing for field goals instead of chucking the ball into triple coverage in the end zone. So this Saints team to me is confident. They've had a couple tough breaks here, but the Seattle Seahawks have overachieved so far, and I don't think they can show up and do that in New Orleans against still a very, very good Saints defense. Okay, the Seahawks, yeah, they put up a lot of points last week, and their offenses looked good, but that was against the Lions, guys. The Lions do not have anything close to a good defense this year. In the last decade, Seattle's just the third team to score and allow 40 or more points in a road win and then have a road game the following week. The other two teams lost on the road straight up. Uh, so... I like the Saints to be able to bounce back here, coming back to some home cooking off the overseas trip, get a win led by their defense, generate a couple turnovers on Geno Smith this week. Uh, Saints 16-6-1 against the spread their last 20 years off three or more losses in a row, so hopefully they can get right here again against who I perceive to be an inferior opponent. Now, Seattle does travel well historically to the East Coast. I will say this. Pete Carroll knows what he's doing on these East Coast kickoffs. Seattle actually 14-1 and straight up in their last 15 games at a 10 a.m. West Coast body clock kickoff in Eastern or Central time. That said... New Orleans is a tough place to go into, and teams traveling from the Pacific or mountains, mountain uh, time zone out there on the western part of the country there, 2-7 and seven straight up in their last 20 years traveling to New Orleans, and they lose those games by 9.1 points per game. I'm going to take the Saints defense to handle business here. Also, lastly, referee Brad Allen uh, in... <clears throat> 2021 home teams nine and six straight up and against the spread this year home teams two and one straight up three and oh against the spread so i'm gonna make a case here uh for the saints minus five and a half to take care of business and for this seahawks offense who's been actually very good lately to kind of uh come back down to earth so as we go into this next game here, I, I want to mention part of the reason I decided to go chronological order instead of going in order of like most interest is because, to be honest, there's not that many games that I'm that interested in this week. And, you know, that said, take it with a grain of salt because I'm a fucking degenerate here and I'll bet half these games. But what I'm saying is we're getting some bigger spreads here. We're getting some more mismatches here in week five. Uh, multiple spreads of a touchdown or more. And I think right now at time of recording here on Friday, we have two spreads in the double digits, this being one of them here between the Bills and the Steelers. What I'm saying is last week, you know, we had half the games on the slate as a three-point spread or less, and, and we're getting some bigger margins here this week. There could be maybe some more blowouts or maybe just some more bad football played. And I mean, we've already seen enough bad football here in week five, Thursday night alone. 
So, you know, circling back to it, the Bills here, minus 14 at home over the Steelers, and it's, it's because the Steelers' offense is completely lost, and here they're making <clears throat> the transition to the rookie quarterback. Kenny Pickett makes his first start. The over-under is 47.5 in this one, and at first glance that looks high to me, although I don't have any massive trends you know, at my disposal right now to back that up. <clears throat> this is a tough game to pick. I won't bet this. Like, I'm just going to tell you guys I have no interest in betting this game. I have no, well, I wouldn't say no interest. I have a little interest in watching it. My dad's a Steelers fan. We'll see how Kenny Pickett does in his first start. It's a tough test. You know, he gets the Bills on the road in Buffalo. I mean, kind of throwing him to the Wolves here. <clears throat> I like to think Tomlin has a plan. I'm, for the sake of this pick, I'm going to take the Steelers plus 14. Uh, this is the biggest dog the Steelers have been ever in the modern era um, to what I'm hearing this week. I think Tomlin's going to use that as bulletin board material. There's too many vets on this team that are going to be playing with some pride. Um, that said, you know, I don't want anything to do with this. I won't be putting my money on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the Steelers dating back to 2016, uh, have won and covered five straight games on a three game losing streak or longer. The Steelers haven't lost four straight, straight up since 2016. Also Tomlin again in a bounce back spot here, uh, after losing the turnover mat, uh, excuse me. Uh, turnover margin by two or more in the previous game. The Steelers are 5-0 and against the spread since 2020. So Tomlin is a bounce-back guy. Um, Pickett threw three picks last week, I think all in the second half, if I remember right. Um, uh, that said, you know, not. I don't think he was getting many first-team snaps last week, kind of just making shit up. Hopefully they have a little bit of a game plan this week. They can make some plays easier on the rookie um, I worry about the Steelers' ability to protect him. I worry about Pickett's readiness. You know, I won't put my money on this, but I, I, I won't lay 14 points against a Tomlin head coached football team ever just based off of um, who I am as a gambler and who I know Mike Tomlin to be. Um, that said, you know, we do have some trends here. The ref, John Hussey, home teams are 14-6 and six straight up, 12-8 and eight against the spread since last season. They're 3-1 and one straight up this season, but they're only 1-3 against the spread. Um, interesting, the Steelers are getting 11% of the handle on the money line, but 24% of the cash, so I guess some people are kind of grabbing that ridiculous, I think, plus 560 or whatever it is on a money line here. Um, crazier things have happened. The Steelers did beat the Bills last year in week one, but no TJ Watt here. Um, I don't see how the Steelers defense uh, is going to be able to stop the Bills offense. If anything, it's just going to, if, if the Bills want to shoot themselves in the foot, like they did the entire first half last week against Baltimore, that's maybe how this stays close. And if that is the case, if this game is close at halftime, uh, don't be afraid to play on the Bills in the second half here. The Buffalo Bills actually 44-23-3 against the spread in the second half uh, with Josh Allen as the starting QB. That's 65.7%. That's the best in the NFL on second half spreads. Uh, the Bills are 27-11-1 against the spread in the second half when leading at halftime, including a 16-3 run over their last 19 games with a second half lead at halftime. That's 71 1.1% um, with the 27 and 11 trend. And then 16 and 3, obviously, it looks like my gambling record recently. Hey, oh. Um, yeah, don't love it. Don't want to bet this game. Uh, Steelers plus 14, but, you know, 
Yeah, we'll see. Good luck, Kenny Pickett. Tough spot. I will say, Bill's defense still not entirely healthy. Uh, Micah Hyde on the IR for the season. Jordan Poyer not playing this week. Haven't checked on Trey White's status, but he hasn't played yet this season. And the inexperience between Kyer Elam and Christian Bedford on the back end. Bedford didn't play last week either. So there's some guys. Ed Oliver didn't play last week. I have not checked on the health reports. That's my bad, guys. Uh, just point out all the angles for you, but not betting this game. So let's just move on. So a few picks ago, we mentioned the Saints coming back off that London road trip. We have the other team that played overseas last week, the Vikings, coming back to some home cooking. Minus seven against divisional opponent, the Chicago Bears. Over under 43 and a half, and I got to lay the seven here with Minnesota. If you guys have listened to my episodes, I'll bet against the Bears almost every week. Kind of mad at myself for not doing it with the Giants minus three last week. Uh, but I just didn't want any part of that game. Just didn't want a reason to have to follow that. Just two absolutely gross teams, and I don't know. Maybe a missed opportunity. Maybe I saved myself some stress there with that one. But this Bears team fucking stinks, guys. Not good. Uh, you know, Minnesota minus seven at home, not worried about the spread. I've seen it as high as seven and a half this week. The Vikings quietly three and one here and barely sneaking by the Saints last week. But hey, neutral field against a, really a frisky Saints team, I think is a lot different than a home game against a horrible Bears team. Justin Fields has played five games versus the NFC North. He's one in four straight up and against the spread. Uh, Justin Fields four and ten against the spread as a starting QB, which includes three and nine as an underdog. Um, all that the Bears can do is run the football. Um, I think they're down an offensive lineman this week. They're on the road. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just pretty easy for me to go ahead and uh, take this Vikings team to bounce back. It's mostly gut here. Not many trends. Actually, Sean Hockley, the referee, favors road teams, so I'm kind of going against that. I was not pleased to see that Hockley's the ref here. He was 11-5 and five straight up against the spread for the road teams last year. Only 2-2, two and two, though, this year, so maybe he's cutting the bullshit a little bit finally. Hockley's starting to pay attention to what I'm saying over here in the bowels of the internet. Um, also, Hockley loves unders, and that has continued 11-5 and five last year to the under, averaging 43.9 points per game. This year, the unders are 3-1 and one in Hockley's games, averaging just 36 points per game. So that's a total of 14-6 and six to the under since last season. This line, 43.5. Uh, you don't really need to talk me into taking a Bears under. So, yeah, like the Vikings to be able to put up anywhere between, you know, 20 to 27 points. Like the Bears to maybe score 10 here. Feels that transparent on this one. So give me the Vikes at home. Hey, Vikings over eight and a half wins on the season. Could be looking at four and one after this week. Not bad. Not bad. Next, we have the Texans at the Jaguars. The Jaguars are at home minus seven. Over unders 44 and a half. And I'm picking the Texans here, plus seven. Feel pretty decent about this one, mostly situational. Um, believe it or not, the Texans view this as a rivalry. Doesn't seem like a rivalry to the rest of the NFL, but apparently, you know, according to uh, Texans 
Twitter, it's Jags week, which, again, didn't know that was a thing, but that's a thing. Uh, they take this matchup seriously. I guess somebody has to. The Jags, on the other hand, coming off a game in Philly, which was a pretty high-profile matchup, and a Doug Peterson revenge spot, and now they have a look-ahead next week to the Colts, which is really the rivalry that they take seriously here. Um, the Texans will not be looking ahead in this one. I'm going with Houston plus seven in this spot. I'm not ready to lay seven with Jacksonville. I think a lot of people are. I am not. I do think they're a better team. And to be honest, I, you know, the matchup between the uh, the way that the Jags can run the football with James Robinson and how absolutely horrible this Texans run defense is, that's what kind of scares me a little bit. But um, that said, uh, Houston, to me... Um, They'll just be ready for this one. They'll actually care about this one. The Jags in the last... Fuck, man. I don't have this stat off the top of my head. I didn't think it was worth writing it down. But they've been favored like three games in the last five years or some fucking crazy shit like that. Both have been against the Texans. Both they've lost outright. It's pretty insane. Um, also, uh, let's talk about the referee. Ron Torbert is the ref in this game. This guy fucking loves unders. Loves unders. Um, last year, the under 11 and five averaging 43.8 points per game this year, three and O averaging just 29.7 points per game. So I'm leaning towards under 44 and a half in a big way here. And if you're giving me that under and you're giving me a team catching seven points, I, I do like that seven here. So I could see myself, you know, talking myself into the Texans plus seven, in this situation that's the official pick uh if anything i might more so be looking to play on that under again jacksonville you know showing glimpses of building something here but the sandwich spot between the philly revenge game and the look ahead to indy um i will take the texans getting very little respect in the betting market in this one damian pierce has looked pretty good for this texans team i think they've found an identity there on offense at you know being able to run the ball with him and i mentioned last week as i gave out the over in that texans chargers game due to both teams being able to move the ball on the ground um the Texans are willing to run the football despite negative game script. Like, they'll keep running even if they're losing in a football game, which, you know, I think possibly keeps this one, again, at a slower pace and a lower scoring rate, and it keeps them um, with a chance to, to keep this within a seven-point range. So give me the Texans. Give me the fucking Texans this week, plus seven. This next one I like quite a bit, jumped off the page immediately to me looking at these lines Tuesday morning. We got the Dolphins laying three and a half here at the New York Jets. Uh, Over-under is 43 and a half. Okay, so the Dolphins coming off the Tua controversy, I get it. Teddy Bridgewater is starting here. They've had an extra um, half week of rest here coming off that Thursday night football game. Teddy Bridgewater was not given first-team reps coming into that game, obviously. He was kind of thrown into the action, didn't really look great. Looked competent on his throws, but looked like the offense just was a little bit out of rhythm at times, which to me is just a byproduct of not having all the first-team reps. He gets a full week and a half to prepare for this one. Uh, coming into New York against the Jets team off a win, how how often does that happen? Well, they haven't won back-to-back games since 2019, so you tell me. Um, this Jets team possibly smelling their own shit. Yes, 
I bet against them in Pittsburgh last week. Yes, it blew up in my face, but I will not take the Jets to win two games in a row. Don't care about the hook here at three and a half. I'll take the Dolphins laying the points. And you're going to say, well, how are you going to bet on this Dolphins team with Teddy Bridgewater? He's a backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, 44-20-1 against the spread all time. 24-6 and against the spread on the road. 27-9 and against the spread as a dog. 16-11 and against the spread as a favorite, which we don't love it. Still winning. 4-2 and against the spread as a road favorite. We like that a little bit more. Guys, those are pretty incredible. Also, Bridgewater as a backup, 11 and 7 straight up, 14 and 4 against the spread. Since 2019, he's 5 and 0 straight and up, straight up and against the spread. Teddy Bridgewater covers fucking spreads, guys. The only more profitable Q, more profitable quarterbacks in the history of sports gambling. Guys, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I'm laying the points here. Dolphins minus three and a half. I think with a full week of reps, Mike McDaniel will be able to have Teddy Bridgewater executing this offense. Absolutely zero fucking problem, in my opinion. The Dolphins are 17-8-1 against the spread versus the AFC East since 2018. That is the best cover record against a division for any team in the NFL over that span. The Dolphins also here getting 65% of the bets, but 92% of the cash on the spread. I like that split. Uh, the over in this game, as far as cash splits, also 45% of the bets, 62% of the cash. So, yeah, um, don't believe in this Jets defense. They only allowed, what, 20 points last week, but that was to the Steelers with a rookie quarterback for half the game. Um, think this Dolphins team, I love Tua. You know, I think he's played exceptionally well this year, but almost similar to the Patriots as far as, Maybe the offense doesn't drop off that massively between the starter and the backup based on the scheme and based on the head coach putting their backups in um, very good positions to succeed. So lay the points here. Give me the fins minus three and a half against uh, the Zach Wilsons over there. The guy's not good, guys. I know he like his highlights look okay, but watch the whole game. He's not good. So this next game, we got the Atlanta Falcons, the only undefeated team in the NFL against the spread this year, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, Tampa Bay minus eight and a half, over under 48 and a half, excuse me, was eight and a half. It's now up to 10, guys, um, has changed a uh, point and a half this week um, due to Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts both being ruled out for the Falcons. I had some mixed, uh, mixed feelings about that line move. So I've gone back and forth on this game a little bit. My initial gut uh, gut call was um, lay these points. This is a blowout for Tampa Bay. And then I saw some sharp cash coming in on Atlanta this week at plus eight and a half. And that really kind of confused me. Um, Atlanta getting 10% of the handle on the money line, but 23% of the cash. And I was kind of trying to talk myself into Atlanta. I saw this line move one and a half points, and I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, um, is Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson worth a point and a half on a spread? Because to me, they're not, actually, and I know that Pitts, they don't know how to use him. Fantastic athlete, hasn't done shit in the NFL so far. They don't know what they're doing with him. 
And Patterson, very, very good player, exciting, electric. I don't usually adjust the spread for a running back being out, regardless of who, like very few running backs, Derrick Henry, you know, prime Jonathan Taylor, prime Christian McCaffrey, maybe you move the spread a little bit, but, and Cordell Patterson having a great season and very good player, but I don't really move the line for guys like that. So I was a little bit confused. That said, you know, I'm coming back to the, the whole Tampa Bay blowout angle in this one, you know, I don't think Mary, uh, Mariota, excuse me, Marcus Mariota will be able to have success against this Bucks defense. And I think that the Falcons are built on the running game and the strength of that Bucks defense is shutting down the run. Uh, Mariota in his last four games against defenses allowing 17 points per game or less. Uh, he's put up 7, 0, 15, and 17 points of total offense in those four games. 0-4 oh, obviously straight up in those spots. Um, I mentioned the the uh, Falcons. The Falcons are the last undefeated team against the spread 4-0 this season. Um, Brady versus undefeated teams against the spread in week three of the season or later over the last 20 years. 10-2 straight up and against the spread. 5-0 straight up and against the spread over the last 10 years. Um what other stat do I have for you here? Atlanta, uh, 4-0 against the spread and a dog of six points or more in week five. Very rare spot in NFL history. The last two occurrences over the last 20 years, absolute smash blowout losses. We're talking like 30-point blowouts here. Um, back to the Bucks. Uh, he kills the Falcons. Brady, 10-0 um, straight up, 9-1 against the spread against Atlanta. Um, Brady 11 and 0 straight up 9 and 2 against the spread when his team is on a two game losing streak has not lost three games in a row since 2002. Uh, just too many, too many factors coming together. The Bucks are getting their offensive weapons back and healthy. The Falcons are losing guys on offense. I mentioned this Falcons offense is predicated on the run game and they've been running the ball very, very well this season, which has got them at two and two straight up four and oh against the spread. They won't be able to do it against the Bucks. This run defense, that front four, Vita Vea eating up offensive guards for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just don't see, and I believe in Tyler Algier as a pretty good running back here. If you guys don't realize, he'll be getting the bulk of the carries with Cordell Patterson out this week. Um, but it's just a bad matchup against this Bucks defense. And at home in Tampa Bay, there's no way I can take Atlanta here. So, yeah, I'll lay the 10 points. Um, it does seem like a big number, especially for a team that's covering every week and playing slow, methodic, ground and pound, let's keep this close and ugly game scripts. I just don't know if they can do that this Sunday. So give me the uh, Buccaneers laying the double digits. Next up, another 1 o'clock kickoff. We have the Detroit Lions heading up to Boston. The New England Patriots, minus 3. I've seen 3.5 on some books. Obviously, recording this Friday, we've got a little wiggle room in the Lions over this weekend. Got to monitor that. The over-under is 45.5 here with this Lions team going over in every game so far. Now, you know, I took them at a 52 a few weeks ago, and that pushed, but apparently this source that's tracking these lines had 51.5. That being said, these Lions games are high scoring, and obviously that shootout with the Lions, or excuse me, with the Seahawks last week, I mean, holy shit. Um, I think a lot of that is due to their defense being really bad. This Lions offense is good. 
That said, they're not that healthy right now. DeAndre Swift going to miss another game. Amon Rob St. Brown going to miss another game. And I am going to pick the Patriots here, minus three. I actually like this quite a bit. This is um, potentially one of my favorite bets of the weekend here. Really, really jumping off the page to me. First off, this Patriots team, I you know, I mentioned at the top of this show, um, not that big of a drop-off, right? Mac Jones, hope he gets healthy, hope that long-term he has a successful NFL career, and I do think that he can, but let's be honest, he plays game management football, and that's all this Patriots team needs, the ghost of Brian Hoyer or, you know, this spring chicken over here, Bailey Zappi, to do for them. Zappi looked okay last week. He looked okay in the preseason. I don't think Belichick's going to make him do anything fucking crazy. It, to be honest, against this Detroit defense that's allowing 165 rushing yards per game, Zappi might only throw the ball three times like Mac Jones did last year in Buffalo. And hey, fuck man, go for it, because you might be able to win that way, right? I think a lot of Ramondre Stevenson, I think a lot of Damian Harris, I think this Patriots team just pounds the fuck out of the ball. And let's not forget, this is a Belichick defense against a Jared Goff offense without his two best weapons here. I don't think TJ Hawkinson's going to be able to go for 180 yards and two touchdowns on this defense like he did against Seattle. I think this is a perfect storm here. I think, again, the Patriots being undervalued and disrespected due to the whole backup QB narrative. You know what? They might have actually gotten better last week. And that is not an addition by subtraction thing. That is not a Mac Jones stinks at football thing. That is a Ewing theory thing. That's an injured player. You know, this team now has incentive to really step their shit up. I mean, we saw them show a lot of fight and almost upset the the Packers last week. And now you give them a, a Lions team with, I think, just, again, a great matchup based on the run game versus the bad run D at home. Um, the Patriots on the spread only getting 34% of the bets, but 82% of the cash in this one. Massive spot, um, rare spot, where Belichick at home is a contrarian play. Uh, speaking of Belichick, 36-14 and 14 straight up, 38-11-1 against the spread after a loss as either an underdog or less than a touchdown favorite over the last 20 years. Patriots also, um, they've allowed 27 points in consecutive games. Under Belichick, New England is 10-5 and five against the spread after allowing 27 in consecutive games. That goes back to 2003. In those spots... The Patriots are allowing 10, 3, 6, 14, and 6 in the respective game scores. So I think big bounce back for this Patriots defense at home. They're going to be able to pound the run. Uh, I'll still go over, I think, 45 and a half here. Just give me the over in every Lions game until I don't see it. Um, but a lot of running the football in this one. And Patriots on the spread to me looking juicy, real juicy. Next up, we got the Titans at the Washington Commanders. The spread is two and a half, uh, probably uh, the same line that I would set the over-under at for how many times I'll call Washington the Redskins in this episode. Uh, Washington, two and a half point home dogs. 42 and a half is the total. And honestly, my gut is kind of yelling at me, take take the skins here. <laughs> uh, plus two and a half. Um, 
kind of a fishy home dog situation here. Uh, to me, jumped off the page, Tennessee, a non-conference road favorite. And uh, my brain started, you know, crunching over here. I looked into the numbers a little bit, ran some queries, looked into some trends here historically. This is a sandwich spot for Tennessee. Last week, they played the Indianapolis Colts, divisional rival, you know, potentially for the division. Too early in the season to say that, but you know what I'm getting at. Now they have a road non-conference game against a random fucking team over there in Washington. Then they have a bye week next week. A lot of people tend to think that the bye week is a good thing for these teams that oh, you have a bye next week, like you'll be able to get this win and then just go rest, that's great. But we see these, it's almost a look-ahead spot in a sense where these teams are like, oh, we just got to get the fucking commanders out of the way and then we get to go chill for a week. And they're, they maybe are not fully motivated in this game. They're on top of it again, road non-conference spot. So I, I looked into it, okay, since 1992, uh, games with a non-conference road favorite heading into a bye week, I didn't find the amazing trends on the spread um, that I was looking for here. I, I didn't find the strong angle as far as uh, playing against the Titans here. What I did find was a strong over trend. Again, criteria. Since 1992, games with a non-conference road favorite heading into a bye week. The over is 23 and 10. It goes over by 3.95 points per game, and the average line in those games is 42.3. What's the line in this one? 42.5. Then I added another layer to that, that trend there. And I said, well, shit, wait a minute. The Titans are coming off a divisional game. Let's, let's run that. Let's throw that into the old equation. So since 1999, games with a non-conference road favorite off a divisional game and heading into a bye week. The over is 10 and 2. It goes over by 6.38 points per game, and the average line is still around 42. I like the over in this one quite a bit. I don't think these defenses uh, pose big issues for these offenses. Like, I think that both quarterback almost kind of similar in a sense where if you get pressure on either of these guys, they don't look good. Uh, went specifically right but this Tennessee Titans defense not really a strength of theirs at, is uh pressuring the quarterback I mean their best pass rusher Her Harold Landry done for the year Bud Dupree is a solid guy Jeffrey Simmons you know strong on the defensive line but I worry that they I don't think they can get the pressure on Carson Wentz that um you know teams like the like the Cowboys were able to do last week um or the Eagles the week before. Like, Wentz has been under fire a lot recently, but I don't know if the Titans are a team that can necessarily provide that same amount of pressure. Uh, I don't think the defenses show up entirely strong in this one. Um, I I don't uh, I don't know, guys. My gut is kind of just yelling at me that I, I, I think Washington can be in this one if maybe Tennessee is looking ahead to the bye, and I think... Again, with these trends here, I, I like the over quite a bit. Maybe some turnovers help us get there because both QBs can play sloppy. But I thought these numbers were pretty interesting. The referee in this game actually likes unders, which is not great. You know, 
the under 10 and 6 last year, but it averaged 42.3, and we only need 43 in this one. The under 2, 1, and 1 this year, but averaging 42 points per game, we only need 43 again. Also, home teams for Land Clark last year, 11 and 5 straight up, 9, 6, and 1 against the spread. So maybe that's part of how Washington gets here. I don't know if I love betting on Carson Wentz, the way that that team looks right now. But yeah, something in my gut says that Tennessee maybe drops this one, and I definitely like the over in this spot. Next game, last 1 o'clock kickoff, we have the Chargers at the Browns. Uh, the Browns are plus 3, over-unders 47 and a half. And first off, I think I like this game to go over. This game between these teams last year was a shootout. Both teams, I think, very strong running games, and both teams kind of bad at stopping the run the Browns just got shredded last week by the Falcons and the Chargers uh, very porous run defense um, given a bottom five in uh, yards per game uh, rushing this year um, and bottom five last year as well gave up some decent numbers to the Texans last week so I think both teams can move the football on the ground 47 and a half seems doable as far as the spread I gotta be honest not a whole lot of confidence behind this pick I think I'm going with the Browns plus three based on that run game I, I worry about this Chargers defense a not being entirely healthy and b really really being just flat out bad against the run Nick Chubb is fucking carrying this team right now Kareem Hunt also not a slouch um and this Browns team kind of up and down. They're at home as a home dog, and I guess I'll grab the points here in this one. Don't love it, but I'm going to follow this, the money in this spot. Like, when in doubt, when I'm on the fence about something, just go with the smart, the sharp cash. 33% of the bets, but 66% of the money on the Browns plus three in this spot. And on the money line, 24% of the bets, 34% of the cash, which is a big enough differential to grab my attention here. Um, I, I don't love the fact that the referee here, Adrian Hill, um, home dogs two and five against the spread last year, 0 and two against the spread this year. Home teams, 1-2 and two straight up, 0-3 oh against the spread this year. So if the Chargers can get that 3 covered, maybe that's how they do it. Shout out to these Zebras out here. Gotta be controlling these outcomes, right guys? But uh, not to get too far into that, I think I'll take the Browns plus 3 as my pick. Really not a high confidence one here and don't have much data aside from that. Again, you know, no Keenan Allen for the Chargers. The offense has been up and down. Huge Eckler week last week, but... The Browns' defense, you know, that was their first week without Anthony Walker at linebacker. They didn't have Miles Garrett. You know, they weren't entirely healthy. They're getting Garrett back this week. And the Chargers don't have Rashawn Slater, their left tackle. So maybe that's a situation where they get a little bit of pressure on Herbert. No Keenan Allen as the dump off. Just trying to talk myself into the pick here, but yeah, yeah, I guess I'll go with the Brownies as the home dog this week. Um, the Chargers, man, they got to get healthy there. Uh, kind of a it's a team that every year we talk ourselves into the Chargers being potentially elite, and then it's almost like every year we just get the same Chargers, you know? Kind of disappointing. Um, don't love it, but hey, Browns plus three, home dog, why not? Five more games to pick as we head into the uh, afternoon kickoffs here. First, 
4.05 kickoff. We have the 49ers traveling out to the East Coast to get the Carolina Panthers as a six and a half point home dog. Over under 39 and a half. Crazy low number here in what could be a pretty ugly game. You know, both offenses sloppy at times to say the least. Both defenses actually, you know, the 49ers defense looks great. The Panthers defense, low-key, pretty good the last two years. People don't remember the Panthers actually uh, number two overall uh, yards per game allowed last season in defense. This one, I think, will be a fucking dogfight um, to the identity of these football teams. And this may surprise some people. Um, I love the Panthers plus six and a half in this spot and it feels weird and gross. And I am not going to enjoy having money on Baker Mayfield to cover against this 49ers defense. I mean, you can clip that and put it on repeat for basically this entire segment. That's going to be tough to watch. That said, this situation just could not be more prime for the Panthers in this spot first off let's get the ref report out of the way sean smith home teams four and oh straight up and against the spread this year with sean smith as the referee next let's talk about the fact that this 49ers team has to travel over to the east coast we've we have a couple of west coast teams traveling out east this week uh, Pacific time zone teams traveling to the East Coast on short rest. Remember this 49ers team coming off that Monday night game. Over the last 20 years, 16 and 22 and 2 against the spread. When you add into that, these teams coming off a divisional game, 3 and 10 against the spread over the last 20 years. Now, it also appears to me like a sandwich spot for the 49ers. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute. How is this a sandwich spot? They play the Falcons next week. How is that a look ahead? Well, guys, you got to read between the lines here. Kyle Shanahan fucking hates the Falcons. Kyle Shanahan thought the Falcons should have made him the head coach after that Super Bowl season where he got... Kyle Shanahan should have got the MVP for the NFL in 2016, not Matt Ryan, guys. Matt Ryan won an NFL MVP under Shanahan in Atlanta. Okay, so this is a revenge spot. Shanahan wants to cram it down the Falcons' fucking throats and remind them that he was there, and now they have Artie Smith calling plays. So what I'm saying is, coming off a Monday night win against a divisional rival on primetime national television and then a look ahead against, you know, the one that got away there with Atlanta, this Panthers team is not inspiring, okay? I don't want to bet on them. I'll say it a million times here, but... When you take into those situational factors I just put into it, and when we add on top of it, the over-under in this game, 39.5, lowest of the week here. And they're getting 6.5 points at home. Underdogs in games with an over-under of 42 or below since 2018 are 95, 60, and 4 against the spread, 61.3%. In the first eight weeks of the regular season, dogs with an over-under of 42 or less cover at 65.3%, 49, 26, and 1 against the spread since 2018. Love that. Now, I've mentioned, yeah, 
I don't want to bet on this Panthers offense. I don't. Okay, I don't. It's going to be gross. But I think this game is just going to be disgusting, and I'm grabbing these points. The Panthers under Matt Rule, 1-26 and 26 straight up. 5-22 and 22 against the spread when their opponent scores 17 points or more. That's disgusting. You should be fired for that stat alone, Matt Rule, and he will be soon enough, guys. Don't worry. But what was that trend? The opponent has to score 17 points or more to get there, right? I don't know if the 49ers do that this week, guys. The 49ers on the road so far this season have scored 10 points at Chicago and 10 points at Denver. The 49ers as a whole this season are only averaging 17.75 points per game. So, this Panthers defense that's underrated, where the strength of this defense is stopping the run. What do the 49ers want to do? They want to run the football. This could be a fucking slugfest. This might be a rugby match, guys. The Panthers, yes, 1-26 straight up when allowing 17 points or more. But if they keep their opponent under 17 points, they're 10-0 straight up and against the spread under Matt Rule. And I know that's asking a lot, but guys, I've kind of laid out the path of how that happens here. So I'm going to take the home dog in a gross low-scoring game getting 6.5. And, and you know what? I don't want to do it. But if I end up locking this in as one of my underdog upsets of the week, fuck, man. It might happen. So be it. I'll see you guys on Sunday on the Instagram page for that one. But 6.5 here, this one jumped off the page to me. The public is not going to think twice about laying 6.5 with the 49ers coming off that Monday night win where they dominated the Rams, who, guys, they won the Super Bowl last year. So perception super high right now um, for a team on a uh, first leg of a back-to-back um, East Coast road trip in a sandwich spot against a team that can shut down the run. I'm all over it. I'm all over it. Panthers plus six and a half. 425 kickoff. We have the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles heading out to Arizona. The Cardinals are a five and a half point home underdog over under 49 and a half in this one. And I like the over. I can tell you that. The referee trade Blake over 3-1 and one this season, averaging 48.3 points per game. He's a first-year referee, so we don't have data going back to last year. I think these two offenses should be able to move the ball quite a bit. Specifically, I don't really see how Arizona slows down Philly this week, to be honest. Um, which is going to contradict my game pick because I'm actually going to take Arizona plus 5.5 here. Um, I think maybe they backdoor it, you know, <clears throat> now I talked last week about how the spread only matters 88% of the time in NFL games. So for me to sit here and say that the Eagles are going to win and the Cardinals are going to slip into that five and a half at the end of the game, uh, maybe I'm getting a little bit too cute with this prediction. <clears throat> I'm not going to call for the Eagles to lose because I don't trust this Cardinals defense at all. And I really don't see how they get the run game going against our front seven either. Um, that said, maybe they can create some big plays, exploit um, our safeties, I would assume, because I, I got to be honest, our corners are pretty good with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. But 
Uh, perhaps Hollywood Brown gets loose, does a little bit of work here. I think Kyler's going to have to beat us with his legs a little bit to be order, to be able to really facilitate offense for this team. The Cardinals have been starting very slow, but they've been on fire in the second half. Their scoring splits this season, they've been outscored 31-0 in the first quarter this season. In the first half, 66-16. to but in the second half in overtime, Arizona is beating opponents 72-37 to this year. And maybe that happens in this one. I mean, Philadelphia has scored 24 points in the first half of every game this season. I think excluding the Jags last week. Um, and then they kind of have had the tendency to take their foot off the bra- uh, foot off the gas late in games and not really be able to close teams out. They almost they did give up give up a backdoor cover to Detroit in week one. And then, um, you know, again, just not scoring in the second half in weeks two or three at all. I don't know. I, I'm a little nervous for this one. Uh, Philly is 7-0 and straight up in their last seven regular season games. They're 10-3 and straight up in their last 13 regular season games since starting 2-5 and last year in the Nick Sirianni era. Um, <clears throat> Arizona 0-7 straight up and against the spread in their last seven home games. This, this Cardinals team doesn't do well at home, which concerns me for the pick. Cliff Kingsbury 9 and 17 against the spread at home, but he's 19 and 7 against the spread on the road. So, clearly this is a Cardinals team that does better on the road, but Philly in a in a bit of a unique travel spot here as well. Last 20 years, only 5 teams have started 4 and 0 straight up and had to go from the Eastern time zone out to either Pacific or Mountain time zone. And only one was favored. That's the 2015 Patriots. They were minus two and a half in Denver, and they lost straight up 30 to 24. Over the last 20 years as well, undefeated teams straight up who played at home in the Eastern time zone and then go on the road to Mountain or Pacific time. Six and 15 straight up, seven and 14 against the spread, including two and 10 straight up and against the spread since 2010. Those have me nervous here. I got to be honest. I'm going to pick the Cardinals plus five and a half on this pick. And I mentioned again, when I'm on the fence, uh, I think I brought this up in that Chargers Browns handicap. I'll look at the cash splits and I'm seeing Arizona getting 24% of the bets, but 49% of the cash on the money line in this situation. As much as I hate to say it, they might be a frisky home dog here. Again, I think that Philly should be able to move the ball quite a bit on this Cardinals defense, but if you're telling me that maybe they pull some shit off late and find themselves covering the five and a half or even, I don't want to call for the Eagles to lose this game, and I'm not going to, but shit, weird shit happens in the NFL, guys. So a couple trends going in favor of Arizona here. Um, which is going to have me, you know, leaning towards them. Hertz is also one and four straight up and against the spread outside of the Eastern time zone. So again, you know, traveling out West for this game has me nervous. The Eagles actually have never won a game in Arizona in the history of their franchise. This Eagles team, hopefully a different beast this year, but I will reluctantly take the Cardinals plus five and a half for this pick. Last afternoon kickoff, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are currently a five and a half point favorite. The line jumped a point today during my nap. Um, was four and a half during the week. Uh, 43 and a half is the total here. These Cowboys games just keep hitting that under, and I'm going to have to lean towards the under again in this one. 
um, just until I see Dallas's philosophy or their, you know, their product on the field change. They're an under football team. They pressure the quarterback. They generate turnovers, and they're not explosive on offense. They're playing with a backup quarterback. The referee, Bill Vinovich, he likes unders as well, 10-6 and six last season on the under. Um, this season, however, 1-3, and three, and the games are averaging 57 points per game. Holy shit. But I'm thinking Bill, Billy V uh, gets back to his old ways here. The under's getting a 36% bet count, but 43% of the cash. Um, I'm going to pick the Rams to cover the number here. This is another one that jumped off early in the week, and I've cooled down a little bit on it. I really loved the Rams minus 4.5 when I woke up Tuesday morning. And I tend to wait for, you know, the full week of news. I'm not one of these guys that's going to go and attack the spreads first thing Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't do that. And, you know, you can make the case that that's beneficial a lot of the time. You can beat the number. Um, There's a lot of upside to it that I won't explain in terms of gambling philosophy here. But a lot of sharps go and attack these lines early in the week. I do not do that because I like to wait for injury reports and I like to track line movement as well. Um, I like to compile my research for these episodes. So my point is it moved a point and I agree with the line move. Now, the only reason that I really, I haven't locked it in yet besides the things that I just mentioned, I could see, so the, the strength of this Dallas team is pressuring the quarterback, and, and the Rams cannot keep Matt Stafford on his feet this year. That, to me, is how this blows up in my face, is just, like, like Dallas just all over Stafford this week. But the Rams, I think, are set up decently for a bounce-back spot in this one coming back home. Dallas, historically, does not travel well out to the West Coast. Dallas is 0-3 straight up and against the spread the last five years when traveling to the Pacific time zone after a home game. On top of that, um, the Cowboys are the first team since the 2019 Steelers to win and cover three straight games while scoring and allowing less than 20 points per game for the season. In the last decade, that's happened six other times. Those teams are 0-6 straight up and against the spread in their next game. So, for all those reasons, I am going to go with the Rams minus 5.5. We'll see if we can get that at 4.5 later this week. We'll see where the spread ends up moving. But I'm going to trust this team to handle business. Cooper Rush has been efficient, and this team has been able to win games. And win games, you know, kind of ugly. I get it. Um, but it's got to end at some point. They do have a, a look ahead to Philly next week, and I forgot to mention that in our last segment when I picked the Cardinals, but that's a that's a reason for that as well. The Eagles and the Cowboys play next week in you know a showdown that could potentially have a massive impact on that divisional race, and for that look ahead spot, uh, you know I'll, I took the Cardinals just a second ago, and I'll take the Rams laying the points here as well. Next up. Sunday night football, Ravens minus three against the Bengals, over under 48 and a half. Ravens coming off, um, blowing a 17-point lead in Buffalo. Bengals coming off a Thursday night football win over the Dolphins. Man, first off, Harbaugh should have known better. Kick the fucking field goal, dude. I understand that you don't necessarily trust your defense to stop Buffalo the way that the second half had been going, but you're tied 20-20 with four minutes left. You kick the field goal, you go up three, you make it so they have to get in the end zone to beat you. Worst case scenario is overtime unless they get in. 
But now, by by deciding to go for it and not getting it there, all the Bills have to do is get a field goal to beat you. Field goal doesn't create a tie. Field goal beats you. Dude, play for overtime. Extend the game. Very similar to the fucking shit show in Denver on Thursday night with Nathaniel Hackett not being able to understand how to coach football. But that's a whole nother thing. I, this isn't as, I, I thought that this pick was going to be a little bit more confident coming into this week. I, I like the Ravens minus three to bounce back. I'm a Ravens guy. I love the Ravens. I know that their defense has had some issues, but I mean, guys, they were piss pounding the Bills for 30 minutes to start that football game. Uh, things got weird in the second half, but we saw the potential for what this Ravens team can do to teams, and I think hopefully they get back on track. The Bengals are a solid team. Yeah, they were in the Super Bowl last year, but I just I don't have as much faith in them, the coaching staff, the consistency, or the mental toughness of that team, really. The Ravens here are getting 62% of the bets, but 81% of the cash on the spread, which I like. Um, Lamar Jackson, uh, six and two straight up, five and three against the spread at home in prime time, six and zero oh straight up after a loss. Uh, excuse me, six and zero oh straight up after a home loss. Um, Lamar Jackson also thirteen and two straight up, eleven and four against the spread after throwing for hundred fifty yards or fewer in his previous game. He only had one thirty four versus Buffalo last week. So I think it's a bounce back spot for the Ravens. They're being talked about publicly, you know, pretty pretty negatively. And I think this is just too good of a franchise, too good of a head coach, too good of a quarterback to really, um, you know, let that, you know, toxic shit continue to fester. John Harbaugh. Um, very interesting splits as far as Harbaugh, Harbaugh's record against the spread um, based on their opponent's amount of rest, I saw that actually when when Harbaugh's facing a team off long rest, he's actually thirty two and seventeen and two against the spread, which is pretty insane to me. Um, he gets better as teams are coming in with extra prep time. Also, Harbaugh's eleven and three against the spread versus the AFC North when his opponent has extra rest. So I'll take all those factors. I'll take the Ravens to bounce back at home here. Super Bowl hangover is still a very real thing for a Bengals team that overachieved like crazy down the stretch last season. I'll take Baltimore to bounce back in this one. I don't have a hot, you know, opinion on the over-under in this one, 48 and a half. I'll say Ref Scott Novak likes unders, uh, 3-1 and one this year, averaging 40.8 points per game. Uh, the Bengals, actually, their last nine games have all gone under. And the unders in prime time, 10-4 so far this season, including uh, this past Thursday night, 104-73-3 to the under uh, since 2019 in prime time. Uh, that's 58.5%. Uh, so something to take a look at. Um, but I like the bangle, or excuse me, Freudian slip there maybe. I like the Ravens, minus three here. Last game of the week here, Monday Night Football. We have a AFC West showdown. We've got the Raiders at one and three taking on the Kansas City Chiefs at three and one. Chiefs are minus seven and a half at home, over under 51 and a half. And I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I will reserve the right to change my pick as I usually do in between Friday and Monday. That's a long time. A lot of shit can happen. A lot of line movement to track. 
that being said, there are a lot of trends in the favor of Kansas City here, specifically if you just look at Pat Mahomes' success in uh, primetime spots or against this division. Let's rattle off some numbers. Pat Mahomes on Monday Night Football, 5-1 straight up, 4-1-1 against the spread. Pat Mahomes in primetime, 16-7 straight up, 13-9-1 against the spread. Primetime games versus a divisional opponent, 9-1 straight up, 6-4 against the spread. 9-0 straight up at home off a two-game or more road trip, Pat Mahomes. 5-1 straight up, 4-2 against the spread versus the Raiders. 22 and 3 straight up, 14, 10, and 1 against the spread versus the AFC West overall. 7 and 0 straight up, 4 and 3 against the spread versus the AFC West on extended rest. His career touchdown to interception ratio versus the Raiders, 22 to 3. Derek Carr, on the other hand, 1 and 7 straight up, 2 and 6 against the spread versus the Chiefs. 22 and 32 against the spread off a straight up win. Six and seven straight up on the second leg of a back to back divisional uh, game sandwich or whatever the fuck you want to call it here. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to lay the points with the Chiefs here. Maybe chalky, but that's just kind of how I'm feeling. I don't think this Raiders team is all that good. They beat the Broncos last week at home to get their, their win finally. I don't trust them to win two in a row. This is also Andy Reid with extra rest. I don't have the hard numbers in front of me. Didn't look it up. But Andy Reid with extra time to prepare, guys. It's like death, taxes, Andy Reid with extra time to prepare and betting against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving just the only certain things in life, pretty much. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. We'll look into it more, and I'll get my final picks out Monday again on the Instagram at SDRPod. So I'm going to keep reminding you guys, follow me on Instagram. A lot of new followers this week, a lot of interactions, a lot of success. I'm cutting videos together every weekend, putting them out Sunday morning, top spread picks, over-under picks, dog picks of the week. I also usually change a pick or two here between time of recording Friday and Sunday morning. You know, there are times where I will have a change of heart or I will find a new piece of information on Saturday that will skew my opinion. Last weekend on the podcast, I I picked I picked the Colts minus three and a half against the Titans. And then come Sunday morning, the Titans plus 156 was one of my money line dog picks of the week. So please stay tuned. Stay, you know, diligent out here but that's going to do it for me guys as you can tell i'm uh i'm a little tired over here brain's starting to get a little groggy that's week five those are our picks tune in sunday morning at sgr pod for the final content thank you guys for listening this has been sgr 104 good luck this week hit me up let me know how you're doing let me know what picks you like love to interact with you guys until then take care good luck and ramble on